Hello, everyone. Welcome to PM versus PMM podcast. This podcast is about products and product roles. My name is Arjun, and this is my co-host Aditi. Say hi, Aditi. Hi, everyone. And today we are going to talk about the differences between the two job descriptions, PM and a PMM, and take a look at some generic descriptions of Indeed. Join us on the journey as we figure out how these two roles work together. So I have open here the two job descriptions for the product marketing role and the product manager role. Let's start with the product marketer. We see here that it says product marketers work on a company's marketing team to determine the most appealing features for their products and promote them to prospective and current customers. They must be experts on the customer's products and features to properly market them and inform customers on their value and product benefits. Product marketing managers will conduct thorough research on competitors and also inform market research to understand the consumers. They'll use this research and their knowledge of products to develop engaging and educational campaigns that reach a wide target audience. They also collaborate with sales teams and educate them on product features and monitor the sales and revenue of these products. So from that, I take that a product marketer's role is really to look at a lot of the business aspects of creating and then launching a product. It like doesn't focus nearly as much this description on customers and like talking to customers and figuring out how customers feel about different parts of the product and getting that feedback. Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, it definitely doesn't look into the customer side of it, but I also am interested to see that it's not really focused on the product side of it either. It's really just, it feels more like a campaign manager profile at this point than it does anything else because we're seeing here that they are looking at values and benefits and are experts in the product, but we're not seeing the voice of the customer aspect of it, or we're not seeing how they work with actual product managers to make sure that the product is what the market really needs. And that's what has been the core of what I've been doing as a product marketer. This description, which sounds very official, but then misses a lot of like hard work about the customer and about the product. Do you think this is like an issue with product marketing roles? I think it it has like a title. It, I definitely noticed it, it was hard to find a balance because what we really see product managers are tend to be one of the first hires in a startup, especially. And we see they're one of the older organizations r- rather than a product marketing role, which is usually built out post series B or post series C and enter the game a lot later on. And by that time, because product managers are already established in their responsibilities, they have a hard time just letting go a little bit from the product Mm. side and the product strategy side. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Speaking of product manager, why don't we read over the product manager's description? So it says here, product managers typically work for corporations across industries that create and sell products for consumers. They work closely with product engineers to ensure the creation of quality products and consult with their marketing professionals about how how to market products to the public. Their job is to relay information between product teams and upper management 
and compile reports to propose new product ideas. They may also be responsible for managing the manufacturing process for products and deciding the product production rate based on consumer responses. I think this description is like decently accurate. I think it's trying to cast a really wide net about product managers, including like hardware and manufacturing stuff. When I say product manager, I usually just mean software PMs. I think it was definitely right to talk about working closely with product engineers because that is really how a lot of PM's role is really figuring out how to build the stuff that needs to get built so that users have value. The biggest overlap I'm seeing here that from what I do as a product marketer and what we're seeing in this description is the compile reports and propose new product ideas. That's definitely something that the product marketing organization tried to take on. And it tends to be something that product managers try to hold on to a little more dearly than we would want them to. How do you feel about that? I also thought that part was like, a little bit like a gray area. This description makes it seem like that's a huge part of a PM's role, but that's not really true at all. Like, I think it was lacking a lot of like customer chat as well. And I think that's like the whole point is that we, there, there are two roles for a reason. And that's because it's a big, really wide job. And in order to build products with a team of engineers and designers and salespeople and marketers, there's a lot of ground there. And I think that both of these descriptions missed out on being customer focused. And I think the description for a PM needs to be more customer focused in ensuring that the product gets created so that it creates value. And then the product marketing needs to be more customer focused in ensuring that the customers understand the value and then coming back to the team and saying, these are the things that need to be like changed. Like it, I think these two roles should really be like working together really closely. And I don't think these descriptions did a really great job of understanding. We're looking at the product marketing alliance description of product management and product marketing and we see they have a very clear image of what's overlap between the two roles and we see pricing market research go to market strategy product packaging and it also says that both influence the product development from end user and overall market perspective so for the skills and qualifications of our product marketing role we see product management skills marketing expertise, decision-making skills, organization skills, analytical skills, and prioritization, which is very generic in my opinion. The things that are required for a product marketing role can be a lot more specific than this. It can be around, have you had experience in getting in front of the customer before? Have you run even campaigns? Like if you have demand gen experience, that's really helpful when it comes into product marketing. Um, if you have like engineering experience, product management experience, all of that stuff can become a really great overlap to get, getting into product marketing. And these seem to be a lot more generic. I feel like I could copy and paste this and put this into any job description, skills and qualifications re requirement, and it would resonate. Yeah, that's definitely this. The more we're reading this article, <laughs> the more they just put random stuff in here.
So moving on, we look at the roles and requirements for the product manager description. Here it talks about excellent written and oral communication skills. That one's really interesting in that way it's different from the previous. It implies that a PM takes on a more communication heavy like leadership style. We saw that in the what does a product manager do also it says that they relay information between product teams and also with the upper management in these two descriptions we're seeing that the product manager clearly has a big influence on the direction the product's going in so it makes sense to have this qualification an internal voice right both to the engineers designers ic's working on the product as well as upwards to the to upper management. Yeah. Expertise in product or market, including specific technical. So here's context, basically. Superior project management and interpersonal skills. So some management. Keen attention to detail. Natural tendency to be curious. I find it so interesting how different it is from the product marketing manager role. It feels a lot more specific, but at the same time, I'd argue that you could put all of these things down in a product marketing role and it would Mm -hmm. fit just as well. As a product marketer, you are required to have great communication skills with your team members. Influencing without authority is a huge thing as a product marketer. You have this responsibility to make sure that the right product goes into market in the right way. And in order to do that, you have to work with every single person who's involved with creating and launching the product without actually having any authority over them. And that's a huge skill that I learned over time. Yeah. And it really parallels, like what you just said, really parallels the PM role too, because except that it's all internal, right? As a PM, I'm trying to sell everyone at the company, upper management and individual contributors on this product and why is it's going to be good for our company and as a pmm it's all the external part making sure that it lands in the market properly and it is launched successfully yeah it's like the core responsibilities are pretty much the same it's just the person you're selling to changes but the amount of information you need about the product remains Yeah, for sure. How would you like want to work together? So what we were just talking about is a expression driven skill, right? Okay. An an outward driven skill where you're telling, you're leading, you're trying to sell other people. And then there's like a receiving or reading type skill, which is understanding what users need and trying to listen and learn and figure out what their needs are. So on the outward skill, there's a clean split. One is more internal and one is more external. For the input, how would you divide the role? That's a great question. The biggest thing that I would use to divide it is how the information is coming in. So at least where we were before, we had two ways to collect customer information primarily, which was one, we had surveys coming into product board. And the other one was we got direct information from calls that customer success teams. And if we remember, if I remember correctly, we had product board, which was much more on the product side where we had like very situation driven bugs coming in or like very specific feature requests, stuff like that. But when we went into the calls with the customer success team, we had an opportunity to talk to the customer in a much more strategic manner. 
where we could talk to them about, okay, so what direction is your product going in? What are you looking for from us? And how are they using the product today? What would they like in the future? What are, it's more, much more outcome focused, that conversation. Oh, the PM conversations with users are a lot more vague and ambiguous. Like where is value? Yeah, so that would that what I would say is more of a PMM conversation. And the other one that where we have like very product and technical requests coming in where whether it's a very specific feature that they need or it's a bug that's coming up for multiple people like that stuff that is directly going to the product team without being fil- filtered or without being worked on by the pr- product marketing team first. So what I would say is like the product marketing team is responsible for collecting all the strategic level information coming in from the customer, consolidating it and creating like this whole presentation that you can then take to the product managers and be like, oh, this is what I'm seeing. This is the value that we could get from this. And then we have a conversation with a product manager. That's interesting. I'm I'm super curious to dive into that more. Your episode. <laughs> So we're seeing a sincere empathy for the customer and commitment for delving deep into challenges they present or experience. What are, How do you go about that as a product manager? I think that one is zeroing in on customer issues. For example, maybe we get a report to say that our onboarding has a 20% drop-off rate. And now we want to understand more about that. And so maybe we look at the data and we can see that, okay, here are certain steps that are dropping the onboarding percentage down at each step, but then you need to go contextualize that and figure out like why those challenges are happening. I actually am really curious to throw it back to you. How does figuring this particular challenge out get divided by the two rules. So like now we understand that at X step in the product, we are not having good enough results. So how do we then go and talk to customers more and understand how to make changes? Yeah. So if we take a step back, actually, the best way I like to compare is the product marketer, that role as much more of an artistic and overarching role, while product managers are really the people who bring that dream to life and really make sure that they know exactly what needs to be done and what can be done and what can't be done and stuff like that. So when it comes to getting um, empathy from the customer and delving into their challenges, as a product marketer, I'm looking at what other competitors are doing for onboarding, or maybe I'll just go through the onboarding myself and see as a user, what are the problems that I'm seeing? And then I would write everything down and then come to the product manager and be like, okay, so these are the issues that I'm seeing. And these are the issues that we're seeing from the customer. What are the things that can be changed at what timeline? And um, come up with a way to understand, okay, so what are the technical challenges that we would face when we're looking for solutions? And then come up with a priority based on both things. One, as a user, what I'm seeing are like big challenges and big red flags that I want changed soon. And the other one would be for you as a product manager on a technical level, which one's bigger? So the PM is more focused on taking the information and figuring out how to create the product changes. Yeah. Whereas 
the PM is all that research that is needed to be delved into. So in that case, sincere empathy for the customer and commitment to delving deep into the challenges they present or experience is more of a PMM thing in your view. I do think so. I also think that working with the customer and understanding their emotional needs and wants is a much more PMM role than it is a product manager role. It's at least from what I've seen, product managers are much more interested in the problem solving part of it within a product than they are with actually finding the problem in the first place. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense in like practice, but in like product courses and stuff, that's not how we're like taught to, to be. We're taught to be problem finders and understanding constraints of the problem so that we can pass off to the design teams to create solutions within there. But it, it makes a lot of sense in practice how the PM, the person who has all the context, starts to manipulate solutions. I think it's interesting. When you look at product marketing and where they're facing, what we talked about earlier, where your product managers are much more internal facing and product marketers are much more external facing, it just naturally migrates their roles in that way, where product managers are much more focused on just the internal quirks of the product, actually, and how to solve whatever problems are coming their way. While product marketers are talking to the market, they're understanding what's going on, and they're quite literally finding problems every single day. So it just naturally becomes a separation, in my opinion. I think both roles should really meld together and work together super closely in order to have the best chance of taking the outside and bringing it in and then taking the inside product and pushing it back out. All right, next up, we have our news segment. Today, we want to talk about Elon's Twitter 2.0 ultimatum. Elon sent out an ultimatum to Twitter employees, telling them to decide if they wanted to A, work long hours at high intensity for the new Twitter, or B, submit their resignation and receive three months of severance. And the media reaction to this has been all over the place. What ended up happening is a lot of employees took the severance and the media narrative has been that these employees are super spoiled, working in tech, getting everything handed to them. They don't want to work hard. And basically young tech employees are spoiled. We wanted to give our two cents on the topic. Aditi, I want to ask you, If you were working at Twitter and you were given this ultimatum, take us through briefly like what calculus you would do to make the decision. I would look at, it's not just about what I've been doing already at Twitter, right? It's more about this vision that Elon has for the future of Twitter. And quite frankly, I don't understand if he's actually thinking through the decisions he's making. The best example of that is the paid for blue tick. So the blue check mark paid for option literally brought down multiple stock values because a bunch of fake accounts started appearing. And that clearly was something that if you had just thought about it for two seconds, you would have realized that is a really bad idea. So for me, it's about 
the fact that he doesn't have a vision for Twitter and not as much about the fact that it's long hours and high intensity. Agreed. I think like a lot of tech employees are very comfortable working long hours at high intensity. Tech is built on working long hours at high intensity. The issue is that if you're going to invest your long hours and high effort, you need to trust that it's going to be worth it. And to trust, you need really good vision and you need really good consistency of leadership, which I don't think Elon has shown in the last several months with his whole Twitter thing. The other side of making this decision that I really want to go over is the value-based one. Oftentimes in tech, when you're working long hours at high intensity, it's because you have an equity stake. That's why in startups, you're given equity as a part of your compensation. Elon bought Twitter. Those Twitter employees no longer have equity in Twitter. And so they're working super hard just to make Elon money. No part of Elon's ultimatum is about employees getting value for their long hours and high effort. And I think that's another monetary calculus that employees can do, employees did do, to choose the severance. And we saw that lots of employees ended up taking option B. Yeah, 1.2. thousand one thousand really damn 1200 people that. decided to leave number. after this ultimatum went out i just knew it was a lot it but, was a, but, it's a lot it's about 20 percent of the leftover people yeah and a lot of the people were not able to choose option b are like h1b <laughs> people that are prisoners to their to the to twitter basically yeah. but i think I, I i really wanted this to be our new segment today because i wanted to go through the calculus that young tech employees would be going to make this decision on both accounts, whether financially and in terms of time, in terms of like life force effort, it's really not worth taking option A. Now, there is a third piece. First piece is money. Second piece is time. Point three is learning. That's the third most valuable thing that young tech employees can get out of their role is to learn to grow for the next paycheck. And that is really up to each role and each individual to know who on the team is left. It's very contextual based. So I assume that a lot of people may have chosen to stay because of learning opportunities or because they do believe in Elon's vision and leadership style, even though I personally don't. <laughs> I would love to know what that vision is. I, according to media reports, he has not said anything. So he has no vision for Twitter? He has not told anyone, including employees, his vision. The other thing that I would be concerned about is the fact that Twitter basically forced him to buy it. I would be really concerned as an employee if the person who's coming on as the leader for the company was basically forced into becoming the leader. Yep. And that goes into the first thing we talked about, right? What is the vision and the consistency of leadership of this dude? Consistency of leadership is that he didn't want this. (laughs) 
So like, how do you have trust? And that the, so let's say six months go by, Twitter is no longer in the news. It's working fine. They're building stuff. Things are slowly chugging along and trending. There is a clear vision. Elon hasn't been in the news for six months. Would you take a PMM role at Twitter? I, like I said, what's going on now is very concerning and it would depend. For me, it's much more on the direction that the product is going than it is about anything else. And if, whether or not it's in the news matters not as much. What I would really want to see from Twitter is a clear vision for growth and income and the possibility for new horizons to be captured and a vision for the company to go further. And if I don't see that six months later, then no, I would not take a PMM role at Twitter. Yeah, that's super true. Like that vision piece is so important. And I think you brought up a really cool point, which is monetization. I think monetization for Twitter could be super interesting challenge to figure out. Twitter creates a lot of value for the world. How to monetize it is such a juicy product to figure out. But if the that vision is not looking good, if you don't have trust in what that look could be or what the company wants to take that, then you're right. There's no point in working something you don't believe in, right? Yeah, exactly. I definitely think that Twitter hasn't come even close to monetizing on their advertising value that they offer to the world. They could go a lot of different directions with it, but it's definitely the one way that companies like Snapchat that had literally zero revenue when they first started, but were evaluated at like multi-millions. That's basically what they created. They created this platform for paid creators to get on. They created ad platforms and stuff like that. Twitter can go in that direction and it can basically become a sort of mix between Snapchat and Facebook. I would honestly be here for it. I'm a huge Twitter fan. I spend way too much of my time on Twitter. <laughs> All right, Aditi, let's go to our ending piece here. Before we close off, I just want to tell you guys one really interesting fun fact, which is that our current American flag was designed by a high school student back in the 1950s, and it received a B minus grade. What do you think about that, Arjun? I'm Canadian. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> My fun fact is that in Hokusai's painting of the Great Wave, which we see everywhere, the dark blue paint that we see in that big wave over the mountain, that blue is the brand new blue for the time in the 1800s called Prussian blue. And I think it was really cool that this Japanese painter took a European blue and put it into one of the world's most famous paintings. That's our show. Thank you everyone for listening. We really want to talk about building products, launching products, marketing products if you have any topics for us to talk about and think through and ask each other and learn from we would love to hear it we're doing this podcast as a way for us to learn and to express our, our thoughts and we would love to have you be a part of it see you guys in the next episode <laughs>